This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome, everyone, to the must-listen-to Saturday morning sports talk show in all of Acadiana. Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. It is officially game day, baby! Yes, indeed. I am just so hyped up. Hopefully, you're just as much hyped up as I am right now because it is a wonderful time to be a fan of college football. It's officially back with the full slate. I'll give you an idea of what notable matchups are going to be going on later today. But, of course... We're just looking forward to what's going on between the Louisiana Raging Cages and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. But don't forget about LSU and Georgia Southern. It's booking it almost perfectly. Cajuns, 11 a.m. inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And then you look over just an hour down the road. you got to cross the basin. Or better yet, I'm not sure if the basin goes both ways, but you'll have to kind of cross a little bit, an hour drive up to Baton Rouge, Louisiana with the Tigers take it on Georgia Southern. We're all the way up and hype about it all right here on 103.7 The Game. Hopefully, you are as well. We got a great lineup for you today. Three guests and three of them, each of them matter in a different way. Of course, I like to go to the other side of things behind enemy lines and get an idea of what the other team looks like. And Matt Wyatt of Wyatt Media, he's going to be joining the program at 1030 that's going to be fun, but I think I've got a lot of other stuff fun for you a little bit down the line. I'm not, not going to give you an idea of what's going to come up in terms of the show and what, what direction we're going to wind up going, because this is going to be a show where anything goes over the next two hours. A lot of things worth talking about. And you know what? We do it each and every day, just each and every Saturday, I should say, at this time. Looking at my Gucci, it's time to figure out what's on tap this weekend. The weekend is finally upon us. Oh, hell yeah! Pull up a bar stool and let's get you informed about what's on tap right now. Oh, we got a lot on tap. Of course, college football is back. And I'll give a quick breakdown of the two matchups that matter the most to the hearts and minds and everybody else involved in the world of Louisiana football. And start things off, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Mississippi State, Bright Lights, Big City, down in New Orleans. Two second-year head coaches going at it. Joe Moorhead, Billy Napier, both these guys have mutual respect for one another. There's no heat. It's just going to be a good old-fashioned football game for bragging rights and a 1-0 record to start the season. Last I checked, that spread, it's still pretty high for the Cajuns, but I still think they can wind up covering that bad boy later today. I think what's more interesting is what happened with that depth chart. The biggest thing for me, without a doubt, was Joe Dillon being on the second string. This is something I know Raymond has talked about in depth heading into the matchup, but I'm not surprised, and I'll tell you why. Because I feel like, you know, Joe Dillon coming off that hip surgery hasn't played in probably about two years. They've put him over a lot, 
But I feel like, you know, when live bullets are flying, can't he be able to sustain that for an entire four quarters or play, like, let's say 75% of the snaps? So I feel like the first couple weeks you'll see him be in that second string. This is only week one depth chart. Nothing to set in stone, guys. So I think you have that in mind. And then he'll be put into the fire a lot more in the weeks to come. That's the biggest thing for me when you look at the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, that and obviously their run game. Can the run game continue to be as dominant as they have been in the past? Against a front seven that loses a lot of talent. I talked about it yesterday, last week actually, losing Ferguson and Montez Sweat. Definitely going to be a fun way to start off the season for the Cajuns against a Mississippi State team, a brand new quarterback at Penn State transfer. Tommy Stevens, you don't know a whole hell of a lot about him, but he's got one heck of an arm, according to Napier. We talked about him earlier this week and said that he was one of the best guys to come out of the Manning Passing Academy over the summer. So that's something just to really whet your appetite. Looking at the LSU Tigers, Georgia Southern, they're preparing for that vaunted triple option, something Coach O has harped on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks on end about how this Triple option is going to be something that they, they need to learn how to defend and quickly, and they're glad they're able to do that in week one versus, you know, you're dealing with that in week five or week six like they ha- have had to do in the past. I think it's absolutely huge because guess what? This is going to wind up being a matchup that LSU is going to win and win handily, but I think it's going to be huge for one player, and that is Joe Burrow, and that's about the LSU-Georgia Southern matchup. Due to Hurricane Dorian kind of shaking up things in terms of what time some of the games are going to start, that game's getting pushed up to the SEC Network. It's getting called up to the big time at 6.30 p.m. Again, you can hear the action right here on 103.7 The Game, but if you're going to be near a TV, a quick update with Hurricane Dorian kind of wreaking havoc possibly on Sunday. They're moving a lot of the Florida games up to earlier in the day, so SEC Network games, they're moving those all over the place. In fact, the Vanderbilt-Georgia matchup is going to be moving up to 6.30 tonight on the four-letter network. That one's getting a call up. Georgia Southern LSU up on the SEC network. And I was kind of joking around with some people inside the 237 Roof Studios about the fact that possibly you're going to have to deal with all the other things that you've been dealing with in terms of, obviously, the weather and possibly, you know, with the weather we've been getting the last couple weeks, as a possibility, a distinct possibility, that maybe just maybe that game gets rained out. I hope not. Fingers and toes crossed. But then again, they say it never rains in Southern California, but they also say it never rains in Tiger Stadium. But that's definitely the biggest two matchups on tap locally, nationally. Obviously, you're going to be looking at the Auburn-Oregon matchup. Can the Pac-12 gain a modicum of respect relative to beating some good opponents? Because I feel like that's the biggest question mark I have heading into the 2019 season for the Pac-12 is can they start building respect? They're not going to make, I don't think they're going to make this college football playoff again anytime soon, but I need to see that the Pac-12 conference is going to be relevant again because I think that's what makes college football a whole lot more entertaining, having that air raid offense. I wouldn't mind seeing Oklahoma, Oregon be in a college football playoff semifinal, but it feels very, very unlikely. And that's kind of what we're looking at in terms of the world of college football. What else is on tap? I got to say, I'm over the moon excited as a pro wrestling fan because we've got not one, not two, not three. Well, actually, three events going on this weekend involving 
pro wrestling. Obviously, we've got all out going on today. It's going to be the main event, the main course, if you will. It feels like college football and wrestling, they're colliding a little bit. And it's going to be fun, to say the least. Also, yet earlier in the day, New Japan Royal Quest and NXT TakeOver UK. So it feels like we talked about a lot back in May about the Wednesday Night Wars, it being on like Donkey Kong. And I feel like it is becoming a lot more like that because now it's not just, oh, hey, we're counting programming against AEW. WWE's counter-programming against New Japan and also trying to counter-program against the All Elite Wrestling's Big Show All Out, which has gone through a lot of changes. And, of course, the 20 by 20 Programs podcast, if you haven't checked that out yet, that has you covered when it comes to a quick in-depth preview of what's going to be going down this weekend at All Out more relative to the actual wrestling because of course you also got Starcast which is going to have a big highlight especially for me as a CM Punk fan he's going to be part of that with a live microphone you can only imagine what could wind up happening he's definitely got in trouble on more than one occasion when he has a microphone in front of him and the same thing could be happening I'm intrigued to say the least of what's going to happen this weekend it's definitely going to be the unofficial kickstart to the Wednesday night wars of course we've been keeping up with things NXT moving over to Wednesday nights to compete directly with the WWE's rival AEW whenever they launch their show on Wednesday nights, October 2nd. But they're going to start their show on September the 18th, moving it to two hours on Wednesday nights on USA instead of strictly WWE Network. I can't wait to see that happen because, honestly, the world of professional wrestling needs something like that. I'm not saying, oh, hey, you need to have it be a big thing like we've seen in the past like four or five years when you used to have the WWE superstars in the Monday Night Wars back when you had Nitro and and Raw. I feel like you can't have that now because I feel like AEW and WWE, the main roster stuff, it's very different. It's going to be hard to kind of compete with if you compare them, but if you compare NXT and AEW, there are a lot of similarities. So I'm intrigued as all get out about what's going to happen with the Wednesday Night War, but I feel like this is the first shot that's been fired. Of course, New Japan, once again, the Royal Quest show. And that's going to be pretty interesting because of a lot of stuff that's happened after the G1 tournament. One of the big main events is a, I believe it's a fatal four-way between Robbie Eagles or a, either that it's a tag match. It's complicated when you just look at everything going on. But the main event, you got Minoru Suzuki and Kazuchika Okada. That's going to be something I cannot wait to see. And then, of course, we can also talk a lot about what's going to happen with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match between the Tongaloa and Tamatanga. What's going to happen there? It's just going to be a lot of fun to see what happens this Saturday in JPW Royal Quest, AEW All Out, NXT TakeOver UK. Cesaro's going to be part of it. I am looking forward to it. Hopefully, you are as well. But, of course, I'm sure you're looking a lot more forward to what's going on with the world of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the LSU Tigers. Hey, before I take a quick commercial break, I'm going to break it down for you just like this. I want to kind of keep things relatively in its own little box this week. Any other week, I wouldn't do this. But this week is a big difference, and I'll explain why. You have the Cajuns starting at 11 o'clock. I don't want to give out any updates, any spoilers. I want you to listen to this show for the whole two hours the first half, we'll handle it. 90% of it will all be Cajuns. The last segment, we'll do some general 
looking ahead to the 2019 college football season, predictions, giving you an idea of what other games are on tap. I talked about mainly the three that matter the most, but I'll give you an idea of some other games that are worth mentioning. The second hour, we're going to spend some time talking LSU-Georgia Southern. We'll also spend some time talking some national college football, and I'll have a quick love letter as I sign off and talking a lot of things about the world of college football and how great and how glad I am that it's finally back. Like I said, we're going to take that quick commercial break, and we'll be back with something entirely different, if you will. It's something entirely different, something entirely brand new right here. And I'll try and do one each and every week. And what is it? Well, I usually try and tease you, but I'll let you find out what it is. You just keep it locked right here on 103.7 The Game. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. Let's keep it going. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Friendly reminder, by the way, that the Jordy Holtberg League still has plenty of spots available. And I say get your shots up. You can tweet at me, at Clint Doming. Hit me up in the DMs. They are open as well as 103.7 The Games. You can hit us up 103.7thegame.com as well. You can email us, or even better yet, I'd say hit us up through Facebook. Facebook.com slash 1037thegame. If you want to get in on the fantasy draft party, the final one we're doing right before the start of the NFL football season this coming Wednesday, Jordy Holtberg hosting a fantasy league. What a time to be alive, and it's almost football season for college pros. Preseason's in the books. Obviously, a lot of 53-man roster cuts going on of note. Obviously, former Louisiana Raging Cajun Eli McGuire, and he also had former LSU track star Cyril Grayson and Traven Dowd both get cut from the rosters, even though I feel like Traven Dowd could very well be a practice squad member once again. What happens to Eli McGuire? Your guess is as good as mine, because it definitely was a crowded room with the Jets in, heading into his third season. Now that they have Le'Veon Bell and his absolute albatross of a contract. So Eli McGuire getting released, heading into his third season. He could definitely pay off for somebody down the line. Going to be interesting to see what happens. For the former Louisiana Raging Cajun, along with Cyril Grayson, the LSU tracks are look good in spurts, but you got to realize when it comes to the Saints, if you're not an absolute stud at wide receiver, you can very well be getting cut before that 3 p.m. deadline, which is tomorrow. It is crazy to think because a couple of years ago when I first started working here, it was originally going to want it was originally going to be a I think they went from like 95 to 70, and then they cut it down to the 53 man roster that they roll with. For the entire season, it's crazy to think that they actually wound up going a different route and changing it in the last couple of years to just one roster cut. And I feel like that's a great thing, a great benefit for a lot of those players, like maybe a Dan Arnold. You look at the last couple seasons, I think players like him, maybe Emmanuel, Emmanuel Butler might hurt a little because he was out for some of those games, but he performed really well in that finale. It lets in fact hear from the guy himself when it comes to the the undrafted wide receiver who Teddy Bridgewater appropriately calls eBay. 
Honestly, it, it, it's been nothing more of a, I mean, nothing short of a great experience. Um, I've gotten to learn a lot, gotten to get close with a lot of these guys, and um, I've, 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 had, I've had a great time, uh, like I said, learning and maturing throughout this entire process. And I'd recommend you check out 1037thegame.com if you have the time. Check it out because, trust me, we got you covered when it comes to Saints, Cajuns, LSU, and even high school football, which heads up. That is going to be going on next week. This week, getting kickstarted, in fact, on Thursday night on our Delta Media family of stations with the Vermilion Parish Game of the Week on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. And that is going to have Don Allen and Wade Corville on the call. So make sure you keep an eye and see what's going on. Once again, the Vermilion Parish Game of the Week on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. Of course, other games going on within our family of Delta Media stations. Right here, the flagship will have the St. Thomas More Cougars once again. And they're looking to make it back to the Dome and maybe win one again after going up short last year. And also you have on Z1059, the Caracol Golden Bears, my alma mater on Z1059, Ben Love, Blaine Vietzor have the call. And it is always an amazing call to say the least. Then you have on Mustang 1071, the inaugural season of the Southside Sharks on Mustang 1071. It's going to be great and interesting to see what's going on with that program. And then finally, the Lafayette Heidi Mighty Lions Game of the Week is going to be on the Rewind, 97.7 FM, 1330 AM, and 104.1 FM. Out, whoop, start up. Oh. Three, two, one. And then we finally have the Lafayette High Mighty Lions Game of the Week, and that'll be broadcast right here on the Rewind, 97.7 FM. 104.1 FM is going to be a little bit different because out in Lake Charles, It'll be the Barb Buccaneers. So you'll be able to hear Barb Buccaneers football if you're out in Lake Chuck. And then also you'll hear Laughing High and Mighty Lions if you're here inside the 337. And more importantly, the Lafayette area. I think you can catch the Rewind a good bit of ways, but not once you get into Lake Charles and like Oak Grove. I feel like that's where things kind of get murky. But once again, 104.1 FM for Barb, 97.7 FM for the Rewind. We need to have a handy-dandy infographic, I feel like. Because we've got five games within the Delta Media Family Stations. 104.1 FM is a little bit of a different story for a different day. But hey, guess what? we got some good stuff coming up for you. And I mentioned earlier we're going to have Matt White on in about the next 10 minutes or so. But hey, I might as well kind of break down what's going on with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns right now and give you an idea of what I think about the ball game and which way I think it's going. I'm going to just come right out and say it. Mississippi State's winning this ball game. It's just going to happen. It's almost an inevitability. Like Thanos once said, I am inevitable, and they are an inevitable team to get the win. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on with the Cajuns-Mississippi State game that's going on in about, let's say, 40 minutes. That's going to be fun. And for one reason, one reason only. Simply because of the fact that the Cajuns can make it interesting. They can... I don't think they'll ever lead the game, but they'll wind up making it a lot closer of a ball game compared to what it was last season. The Cajuns will need to show up in a big way early on. Me and Ben talked about this a lot on yesterday's program, but in case you missed it right before the Astros got started, which was that's a whole different story for a whole different day, way too much inside baseball. I don't like to do that much of it to begin with, but right before we went off air, me and Ben talked about the ball game, and I mentioned the fact that I think that the Louisiana Raging Cajuns have every chance to do some good things, but they need to do it right at the gate offensively. 
If they win the toss and they defer, that's going to put a lead balloon or a chance of having a real lead balloon reaction from the contingency of Cajun fans who are going to be out there, largely because of the fact, like, you don't want to come out and then you come out, like, half-assed. I want to see this team come out fully gassed up, ready to go on both sides of football. And I think you want to get a big play out of it. Things want to change. The conversation turns to, hey, this crowd's going to be amped up. I'm not saying a three and out, but, hell, if you get an interception or a blocked punt or a blocked kick somewhere to that effect, that crowd's going to get all kinds of hype, and that could wind up leading to a lot of success and getting the juices flowing. Because, obviously, 11 a.m. on a Saturday morning, some of us, namely me, might not necessarily be on the up and up. Might not necessarily be, you know, having that five-hour energy shot, even though, mind you, I don't think I've ever had a five-hour energy shot. I definitely just stick with the big caffeine. That's just how I roll. But, hey, i got to say, I'm looking forward to the matchup. The biggest thing for me is... Can the run game break through that defensive line? Obviously, Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat, no longer with the program. They both went on to bigger and better things. And when you look at Mississippi State's defensive line and the front seven in general, it's lost a lot of its luster over the past couple of seasons. Mind you, you got still got one big cat in Leo Lewis that's going to wind up being someone to keep an eye on. But honestly, I'm just looking forward to it all the way around again. I'm a proud alum. I'm always willing to admit that much. And then finally, the other thing that I feel like is going to loom large is what happens with the Cajuns' front seven. Obviously, the depth charts came out. This is just one last thing I'm going to bring up about the matchup, and then we'll take a quick commercial break and talk with Matt White and really chop it up like a fracture when it comes to the Bulldogs and what he's expecting from the Raging Cajuns. And that is about what happened with the depth chart and when that came out. And it mentioned that Joe Dillon was going to be your backup Jack linebacker. I mentioned this to Raymond when we were talking about this off-air, and I said, you know, I think this is probably the best situation for the Cajuns because you don't have to have him out there as a starter game one. He just came off a hip surgery. He missed about two years of action. You don't want to put a guy like that out there and pretty much put him on skates. I want to see him sort of kind of get his feet from underneath him. That way, when the regular season gets started, it's going to be a lot of fun for whoever the Cajuns are going to be playing against. We're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with a whole lot more. Matt Wyatt of Matt Wyatt Media coming up in just a little bit. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the Cadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And right around this time, we're about 30 minutes away from the big game between the Cages and Mississippi State, really kind of kick-starting everything involving the world of college football, especially over here, the Cajuns taking on Mississippi State. And one thing I love to do, especially with Under the Dome, is get a little bit of an enemy perspective, go behind enemy lines, so why not kind of get things going on the Arco Equipment Hotline right now is Matt Wyatt of Matt Wyatt Media. What's going on, man? Hey, what's happening? Good to talk to y'all. It's great to talk to you. Obviously, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns starting off the season. 
But we got to look at Mississippi State with the starting quarterback. Tommy Stevens seemed like a little bit of a surprise, at least from our point of view. What about y'all in Sarsfield? Was there any surprise to see Tommy Stevens be the starting quarterback and then Keaton Thompson transferring out? Yeah, um, I would say that it's not, you know, a huge um, surprise. You know, once Tommy made the decision to transfer in from Penn State, just because you knew he had maybe a leg up in experience in that system that they run under Joe Moorhead. Tommy Stevens played for Joe Moorhead for two years, his freshman and sophomore years at Penn State. And as a freshman, he was involved in a big quarterback you know, uh, a fall camp battle with Trace McSorley to try to win the starting job. McSorley won that job, but then they started um, finding other ways that year to play Tommy Stevens. He played receiver. They handed him the ball, and they let him run the ball a bunch from the quarterback position. So he just had a leg up and experienced a number of snaps and practices in that system. So he was ahead of Keaton the day that he got there, and he's old, uh, you know, guy, mature, uh, very much a leader, and so he was able to take control of the offense. And when you just look at what Tommy Stevens can do, Billy Napier during his Monday press conference put him over quite a bit, saying he's got one heck of an arm. We've seen him a lot at Penn State be more of a gadget QB. What what have you seen from him or what have you heard about Tommy Stevens and what he can do with his arm as opposed to his legs? Yeah, I tell you, he can really throw the football now. Um, and it's And I don't mean just like in terms of arm strength which he does have. You know, he's got the, the flip-the-field type of arm strength. But but really, he's very, very accurate with the football. You know, throws a really catchable ball. He can ramp it up and run those RPMs up there when he has to if he's on that opposite hash, you know, throwing that deep comeback or the back shoulder to the opposite sideline. But a lot of the underneath stuff that accompanies your RPO stuff, so, you know, you run a ton of, run pass option in this offense so when he pulls the ball you know he's got to decide do i run or or throw and those throws sometimes are on the move oftentimes they are to tight ends in the flat or over the ball in the middle of the field where you've got to have a little touch you know you can't drill that big tight end from eight yards away with a fastball and so he's just been really good with the precision in the pass game but really I think the reason he's been able to do that in practice is because he has mentally a good grasp of the offense. But all that said, it's still only practice. You know, um, he did. He had a great showing at the Manning Passing Academy, but that's not in pads and you don't have people chasing you. So this game on Saturday is really going to be the first true test to kind of see where he is as a QB. Talk right now with Matt White of Matt White Media and flipping over to the defensive side of the football. I think that's really what everybody, at least in our neck of the woods, is talking about when it comes to the defense. Obviously, you're losing Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat, but you got one big cat in Levi Lewis in that second level. What do you say about more of the front seven that Mississippi State is going to bring to the table later today? Yeah, that front seven lost a lot off last year's team. Like you said, you know, you had. Uh, two first-round draft picks in your front seven. You had another first-round draft pick out of your secondary. So three first-rounders off one defense from a year ago. And so that's really hard to replace all that production. And so what it means is there's some young guys who have to step up and play right now, like are going to start and play a lot of snaps. And the thing about that is when you're in the trenches, and let's say you're going to, 
be a redshirt freshman starting at defensive tackle. You don't really know what you're going to get out of those guys in a four-quarter ball game when the pressure's on until you see them go through it. So there's some unknowns, I guess, is what I'm getting at on the defensive side. There's plenty of talent. You touched on it. Leo Lewis, Harold Thompson, your middle linebacker, is going to be a high draft pick. Uh, Cam Dantzler, a Louisiana kid, tall corner, is uh, trying to get up into that first-round status right now. Everybody says he's a second-rounder at corner. And Chauncey Rivers, a pass-rushing defensive end, who is a you know legit going to be a high draft pick. So you got players over there. Um, you just have an experience. And so we'll see how fast they can whip all that into shape. Talking now with Matt Wyatt of Matt Wyatt Media, and I think I've, another thing we need to wind up also bringing up when it comes to that defense is looking at the secondary because I think that's going to wind up looming large, especially with – Obviously, a lot of the film that Mississippi State is going to have of the Cajuns is Levi Lewis more so using his legs, but obviously they're going to have to watch out for his arm as well because he has improved by leaps and bounds. Yeah, well, I think that you know that secondary for State, again, they're very talented. They, they really are, and there's a mix of that talent and experience. You know, at one corner, you've got Maurice Smitherman, who played a lot of football at the end of his junior year a year ago because of injuries to guys in front of him, but he was not slated going into the year to play that much. But when he got on the field, he really played well. You know, against Ole Miss in the final regular season game last year, he had a huge game, big turnovers. And then on the other side is Cam Dantzler. Um, They're deep at safety. You're going to see a kid at safety named Brian Cole who transferred from Michigan. He actually left Michigan, went to East Mississippi Community College, and then to Mississippi State last year. He played some, but he was kind of injured throughout the year. He's back to 100%, and he is a big-time talent. And if he can stay healthy all year long, he's going to make a lot of plays. So Brian Cole, a healthy Brian Cole, is somebody that people need to watch for. And we were bringing up the defense. Might as well just kind of bring it full circle when it comes to Bob Shoup and what he brings to the table as a defensive defensive coordinator, what kind of tricks do you wind up seeing with him heading into year two as a DC for the Bulldogs? Yeah, one thing you see with him is you know he's one of these uh, malleable, flexible defensive coaches. He doesn't have this set in stone system or the way that he does things. He'll coach around who he has, and you're going to I think see that people are going to see that an example of that from last year to this year. Last year, the strength of that defense was your defensive front. It was very veteran. Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons on the same defensive front. And this year, a lot of your strength and your experience and talent all shifts now to the back end of your defense, middle linebacker, outside linebacker, corner. And you're a little bit less known on your defensive front. So there'll be some, some differences in the way he calls things. One thing, though, they do run a lot of nickel. Of course, everybody does now in college football taking a linebacker out, putting an extra DB in there in his place because everybody's spreading you out and running the RPO stuff. So they'll be in a lot of nickel. They'll mix and match that secondary a lot. And he loves to blitz those safeties and drop linebackers. When you have linebackers like State does who can really run and cover, they'll, they'll do a lot of dropping backers and bringing safeties and try to confuse quarterbacks. And looking at Joe Moorhead heading into year number two, of course, when you just look at the Cajuns on the surface, you've got a new starting quarterback for both teams, and you've got a second-year coach. Looking at Joe Moorhead specifically, what have you seen from him that's going to wind up telling you, hey, he's going to do a lot like what Dan Mullen did in year number two and really bring this team to another level? 
Yeah, well, I think he's got um, – he has a little bit more firm grasp of the controller, so to speak. You know, like when you sit down to play Madden, um, if you've got a guy or a team that, you know, you can really control and manipulate and do what you want with them, then uh, you're, you're a little bit better off as a play caller, right, running those plays. And so maybe that's a bad analogy, but the point is this year with Tommy Stevens, because – in the past game, just even right now in practice, in scrimmages, they are better in the past game and better on offense than they were at any point last year. And part of that is because you're getting consistency out of your quarterback. And knowing what you're going to get, based on the call, what we call, you know what you're going to get out of him every play. He's consistently doing his job in the past game. Now Joe can play the game as a play caller because there's a little bit more of a known quantity there. And I think that's really going to help him. He'll he'll kind of show what he's made of as a play caller. And I think it's a year where they have a chance to be really good on offense. A couple more here with Matt Wyatt of Matt Wyatt Media. And, you know, we're going to kind of flip things over. What's the one thing when you look at the Cajuns offensively, defensively, what's the one big thing that concerns you heading into the, today's matchup? Well, I think for one is um, those running backs. At uh, for the Raging Cajuns, you know, um, if if I'm looking at it, and again, at this point, not knowing anything about who's fully healthy and who's not, but if they are, that three-headed monster at running back, those guys can play, and they're behind an offensive line who run block really well a year ago. I know they gave up a bunch of sacks in the past game, but when you have three backs that combine for almost 3,000 yards, and when I watch them on tape, um, uh, Mitchell and Regus, I hope I'm saying his name correctly. You got it right. Um, Regus, those guys, they break tackles. You know, you're depending in college football on your running back. We're going to get you to the next level if we block it right, but you're going to have to run over somebody, you know, a safety or a corner. you got to break that first tackle. And those guys do such a great job of that. So I think if you're it, for state fans, probably their biggest concern right now is with some inexperienced guys starting on defense, What's it going to be like trying to tackle those dudes all day long because they are really, really good? And then, you know, I think the other thing is just for State, you know, in this deal you're you're kind of in um, uh, their neck of the woods. You know, you're on the road, you're in the Superdome, and, and there's going to be some confidence. It's not going to be like when you hosted uh, these guys in Starkville last year. So those are the couple of things. But I think especially that run game that you're going to face because they are really good. And Napier and Sale, they're as good a play callers as anybody in the country, um, period. And they'll prove that over the long haul. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's an improving program. It's, there's a confidence there that seems like it, that I see from a distance. And um, I think this year's game could definitely be more competitive than last year's game was. One more for you, and it's just more an overall blanket statement. We'll, we'll probably wind up talking to you closer to the LSU-Mississippi State game. But my question to you is more revolving around the expectations in your mind for Mississippi State heading into the 2019 season. Yeah, the expectations, I just think, are, you know, it's it's one of those where the, the level of expectation has just risen. Um, going back to Mullen, like every year, you know, last year State won eight games and had, you know, they won eight games and had um, their team in the, um, New Year's Day bowl game, and yet there was still some disappointment. <laughs> so, you know, there's, a, there's definitely some raised expectations. And I think 
with that offense and Tommy Stevens, if it clicks, they could be an offense that really scores points. People expect to go out and somehow, some way, win those eight or nine games and, and get back into that New Year's Day bowl game. Matt, thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. All right, thank you. All right, that was Matt Wyatt of Matt Wyatt Media. Just some fantastic stuff right there. Great content all the way around when it comes to Matt Wyatt. Knows what he's talking about. And actually, he did a lot of in-depth previews on the Cajuns as the preseason started to progress and really wanted to kind of get an idea of what this team looked like. He spends a ton of time looking at film. This is the guy you need to kind of keep an eye on if you want to know what's going on in the world of college football and an idea of what it's like to kind of break down game film in depth, and he breaks it down for you in a way where the average Joe, like me, who blew Ben's mind a few weeks ago talking about the 12 personnel, I think there's a way where we can just talk about the fact that this is going to be a fun season for both programs. I think the Cajuns will wind up being a little bit better this year, but you might have heard some of my takes on my record for the Cajuns, the Tigers, and the Saints. I'll give you those one more time, but also give you some overall predictions for the 2019 season in just a few minutes because we got to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be back with a whole lot more. We're in the end game now when it comes to getting ready for Cajuns football, so we're tossing that to the side. Hour number two will be largely devoted to the world of LSU and college football at large. We'll be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. Oh, hey, that's me. Welcome back to Under the Dome with a CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And it feels so good to hear that music once again. The SEC on CBS will be ringing through everybody's ear over the next couple of months, especially come the month of November when we get those doubleheaders and we get closer to the SEC title game where it just means more. And, of course, we need to talk about What's going on in the world of college football later today? In fact, I'll give you an idea of what the early kickoff games are going to be like. Some big highlights, obviously. Cajuns, Mississippi State, the one thing that's been dominating the conversation over the course of our numero uno. That's going on in just about a few more minutes. Then you got Florida Atlantic taking on the Ohio State University. Ohio State fifth-ranked big surprise there, at least from my point of view. I might be completely wrong in that statement, but hopefully... It winds up being an interesting ball game, if anything. They also have 24th-ranked Nebraska going to be getting the season kick-started off right when they take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. going to take on South Alabama. The Jaguars seem like a team that wants to bounce back from what they had just a, just last season. In the last couple seasons, they've been consistently inconsistent. They beat some really good teams, and they want to fall apart late in the season but I think they can wind up turning things around later on today. Another matchup worth noting is, without a doubt, what's going on with Kansas. The Les Miles era is going to begin at 11 o'clock with Indiana State heading over to take on Kansas. going to be a fun matchup. I'm looking forward to that. Just to see how Les Miles does in his first game. And then we'll move over a little bit later on in the day 
We go over to Atlanta, GA, for Alabama taking on the Duke Blue Devils. It'll be a squash match, but it'll definitely be pretty darn entertaining. And then flipping over, Idaho taking on Penn State. The Vandals going to open up the season against the Nittany Lions. I know my buddy Joe M, he's be watching that one intently. And the Battle of the Carolinas is going to be a three, uh, 2.30 kickoff. Excuse me, 2.30. It's going to be South Carolina, North Carolina. Come on and raise up. Can't wait to see these two teams go at it. But, of course, there's going to be a lot of intrigue going on later on in the day when you have the Auburn-Oregon matchup, the matchup everybody's looking forward to, a primetime Bright Lights matchup inside Jerry World. Seven, 6.30 kickoff, excuse me. And then you also obviously have the LSU-Georgia Southern game, which we haven't talked about all that much, but we're definitely going to get into a lot of conversation about it with our guy Scott Rabelais at 11.15. Definitely a lot of interesting matchups heading into week number one in the world of college football. Only a couple games on Sunday, but the only one that really everybody's going to pay attention to is Houston taking on number four, Oklahoma. And then you have the Notre Dame-Louisville matchup on Labor Day. I'm interested to see how Notre Dame winds up doing in this one. Louisville, it's a story of how the mighty have fallen. I'm intrigued to see where this one goes. But, of course, I promise you some predictions before our number one was all said and done. I'm just going to give you college football playoff, Heisman, and bowl expectations for LSU and the Cajuns. So we're going to do things pretty simple. Start off with the college football playoff, I think, Alabama gets in. I think we wind up seeing Clemson get in. Easy enough. Number three and number four are, in a word, interesting. With Jalen Hurts now at Oklahoma, he's going to continue the tradition of great quarterbacks. I'll get to him again in a minute. I think I'm going to go with that team, Oklahoma, being in the third hole. And then the final spot, I'm going to put out a bold prediction right here, right now, and go with... Georgia. Georgia will get into that spot. I think Michigan, it's a dark horse. I talked with Steve Lassen about his college football playoff spot, but it feels like it's a dark horse. Nobody's really talking about them, and it's all about if they can beat the Ohio State, because if they can, I feel like Harbaugh's seat only gets hotter. And with the Heisman, i got to stick with Jalen Hurts. i got to stick with the Oklahoma. The stranglehold will continue with that. Jalen Hurts is an absolute beast. He's going to put up some godlike numbers in a conference that does not know what defense is. I feel like they need to have a team like the XFL where there's a team named Defenders. That way they can learn what defense is in 2019. And because the bowl expectations for LSU and the Raging Cajuns, my expectations are the Cajuns, they make it to the Sunbelt Conference Championship. They win that thing, and they go on to the New Orleans Bowl for the first time since 2016. I don't know who their opponent would be. Possibly, maybe a rematch with Tulane. This time, it's in New Orleans. I'd love that perfect bookend to the season. You start off in NOLA, you ended NOLA. Really fun. I'm intrigued by that. And then finally, I think with LSU, it's a New Year's Six Bowl or bust for them. Again, it's cultural playoff or bust, but in my predictions, they don't make it in there. I say they make it back to the Fiesta Bowl again, or maybe even the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl would be interesting just to kind of see how many people show up for that one. Got to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with a whole lot more on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. This 
should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 1037 The Game. And welcome everyone to hour number two of two of Under the Dome with a CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037 The Game. Dot com live as always from the two three seven roof studios inside of Karencourt, Louisiana. It is just absolutely fantastic to be with you on this Saturday morning. Dare I say almost Saturday afternoon? College football it is in the air. In fact, the kick is up in the air, and kickoff is officially underway. When you just look around the world of college football. I mentioned a lot of 11 a.m. kicks to end off hour number one. And we're going to kind of step away from all those because obviously I just don't want to kind of give you live score updates because honestly that, that's a little bit boring. And Honestly, you can wind up just looking on that on your phone at the end of the day. At least that's just how I'm going to think about it from that perspective. I'm not going to bore you with stats and facts and score alerts. I'm going to try and keep away from that. Also, the fact that my television that I have inside the 237 Roof Studios where I'm at I'm looking at it in reverse, so not exactly the best way in the world to watch sports and understand what's going on in them. But I will say this. I'm looking forward to what's going on with the start of college football season. And I mentioned how in hour number one I did something a little bit different. Hopefully you liked it. If you didn't, it is what it is. Something just to kind of try out and do something that's against the grain compared to what we else we do with Acadianus Sports Station. And speaking of things that are a little bit different, I am going to do something that I might wind up regretting because over the course of the last couple of years on Saturday mornings, you've heard a certain person, a certain voice, if you will, when it comes to understanding what's going on in the world of LSU sports. A guy who definitely has that LSU bias, who's a big fan of the purple and gold and it's a good friend of mine. He tried to come in. He tried to basically barge in and join SEC Media Day's coverage when we were in Hoover, Alabama. But we told him that he was banned from the festivities. Thankfully, it turns out he was. He definitely was not allowed to be anywhere near SEC Media Day's, or especially the man himself, Ed Ogeron, Coach O. But he called me up a couple weeks ago. was like, hey, man, I'm doing pretty good. We're doing better. And he wanted to come on the show. He's like, I want to come on the producers. I'm like, the producers doesn't exist anymore. What? That was exact, his exact reaction. So whenever I told him that, he's like, well, can I still come on? I'm like, yeah, sure thing. I think there'd be no problem at all. I mean, we won't ask you to do predictions every week, but I think we'll wind up having a lot of fun with you regardless. And he was more than willing to kind of come on and be live in studio every single week throughout football season. And that is our bestest friend in the whole world, Coach Foe. Weekly conversations with Coach Foe are back, and it'll be an in-depth conversation. Call it a conversation with Coach Foe. What's going on? Oh, T-Boy, it's great to be back inside the 237 Rose Studios. Uh, thank you, Coach, for kind of bringing that up. It definitely is refreshing 
to have you. It's a little bit different, though, because usually we're right next to each other. There's a pane of glass surrounding us. Not because you're a pain or I'm a pain, just because, well, I'm in here making sure to push all the buttons. You're over there handling all the content. Because I want you to give your thoughts on LSU. I'm going give to you, give you some a series of questions. And I want to get your thoughts on a lot of different things involving the LSU Tigers. First things first. What do you think about LSU saying they're a spread offense? Is this going to be something you know is for real? Because, honestly, you've been able to kind of see what's going on with those practices. I know you've been hovering over the the fence just to see what's going on. Is this going to be a legit spread offense, or is it not? Oh, T-Boy, that spread offense is going to be so good. And we're gonna, it's going to be like a big old butter. Spread it over some toast. That's not good. It's going to be some good stuff. Trust me. You got Joe Burrow in there. He is possibly one of the best quarterbacks in the country that nobody talking about. I just can never put him in the Joe Burrow for Heisman. That's what I'm saying right now. Call it today on August 31st, 2019. Joe Burrow winning the Heisman. That's a bold prediction right there, Coach Foe. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does heading into 2019. But I feel like the bigger story that nobody's talking about is the running back group. Because this feels like the best running back group that the Cajuns have had ever. Oh, yeah, this offense is on point. Everything about it is in fuego. You got, obviously, you got Chris Curry, Baby Beast Mood. You got Lenard Fournette. He's, he's damn good. He's the guy that nobody really talk about, but his brother really good. You know, he, got, he better have some trouble with him, uh, the, the guys over at Jacksonville. I feel that's not necessarily as much on on him, Coach Foe, as opposed to what's going on with Tom Coughlin and what's going on in his brain. Because maybe there is a little bit of bias with him. Oh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Tom Coughlin kind of a horse's ass anyways. Thank you, Coach. But going back to the subject, when we're talking about the old running backs, what's, who's one guy you're wanting to see really break out in 2019? Oh, boy, I want to see, see that boy, uh, John Emery, get things done. He's a guy who was a bulldog and then he got decommitted and joined LSU right after the LSU-Georgia game. The guy is damn good. He, I think he's going to wind up being one of the best running backs of all time. Wait, of all time, Coach? Of all time! All right, well. So you're saying he'd be better than Alicat. Oh, he'd be way better than Alicat. Kevin Falk. Oh, he'd be way better than him. He, oh, Kevin Falk is going to be a guy who's going to be always one of the goats. But John Ember is going to be one of the all-time greats in terms of LSU football. What about Darius guys? Like You've got all these guys that have just come through over the last like 25 years for LSU. He's going to be better than all of them? Oh, yeah, he's going to be better than all of them. He's going to bring all kinds of records, T-Boy. So you're saying right right here, right now, and this is a bold statement from you, Coach. You've had two bold statements, and we're not even halfway through the segment right now. Oh, yeah, I'm bold. I'm a bold man. I don't mind laying it out on the line and telling you like it is. I want to see what the LSU Tigers wind up doing in 2019. And they're going to do some really good things. And more importantly, they're going to win a lot of games with that offense. And the spread offense is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a really big, big year for the Tigers, Coach Fo. I'm looking forward to it because it's just there's so much hype around it. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you look at that schedule; it's relatively easy. I mean, we got the schedule right next to you, Coach. I want you to give your your record prediction right here, right now. Put it on wax for us. What are LSU going to do in 2019, Coach Fo? Oh, let's see. All right, obviously you got Georgia Southern. That's going to be a win. And then you got uh, Texas. That's a win. I think 90 percent of these games are going to be wins by let's say 30 points. I think most of these games are going to be complete annihilations. The only game I'm concerned about, of course, is the Alabama game. That's going to be the one that's going to they can slip you up. Is that Alabama a damn good team? Alabama's got everything going for them, mind you. They're still in Moses. I think that could wind up being a big thing for the Tigers to capitalize on in 2019 is the fact that it's the front seven is because it used to be. 
And, Coach, you know, one of the big things we've been talking about all show long has been the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And, you know, I know you're dealing with a lot of stuff that's going on in Baton Rouge. You just focus on that. You didn't probably, for the most part, block out the noise. Oh, yeah, block out the noise. That's the, that's the best stuff right now. I'm blocking out the noise. I, I get that, Coach. But my question to you is, what happens next with the Cajuns? Second year under Billy Napier, a former Saban disciple. Oh, that, that, that Billy Napier, he's a good, he good cat, man. He's definitely starting to rebuild things when it comes to the relationship between the Cajuns and LSU in terms of the football spectrum. And they are damn good at what they do. The culture is there, and I feel like we've learned a lot from them as well, just building that culture and getting things done. Because I think that's the biggest thing when we talk about what's going on with the Raging Cajuns in 2019. That was a nice compliment, Coach. I didn't expect that to come out of you today. It was definitely refreshing to hear you say some positive things because – you just look around at what's going on with the Cajuns and LSU from a fan standpoint. I mean, I had people saying that I was an LSU supporter a few weeks ago when I put out the stuff about the RCAP donations. Oh, yeah, I saw that too, boy. I, I feel sorry for them. They, they didn't realize, man. You, you you cut it down the line. You tell it like it is. You tell us when it's bad and when it's good. You don't tell us whenever you're peeing on our, our shoes. You tell us it's raining. You, you tell us like it is. All right, that was Coach Foe, everybody. A conversation with Coach Foe in the books. Hour two, just getting underway. We're talking with Scott Rabelais in just a little bit. So keep it locked right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com, live from the 237 Roof Studios. And it's time to kind of get a look ahead to LSU. We talked a lot about the Cajuns Mississippi State in hour number one, but hour number two has a lot to do with the LSU Tigers as they open up their regular season tonight against the Georgia Southern Eagles. you hear all the action right here on 103.7 The Game. It all starts with the pregame show at 4.30, so just a quick heads up on that. But in the meantime and in between time, we need to get a guy who knows what's causing all this, and that is Scott Rabelais of The Advocate. What's going on, man? How are you guys doing this evening? Uh, I, today? <laughs> I am doing fantastic, Scott. Looking forward to what's going to be going down tonight with the LSU Tigers taking on the Georgia Southern Eagles. And just looking at what... Everybody, everybody's been talking about over the last couple months the Joe Brady offense. Is it a lot of hype, or are you starting to believe in what Coach O has been talking about, about this offense being more spread-oriented? Well, there's certainly been plenty of reason in the past to be skeptical that LSU is going to change. I mean, you, you, you know, there were people who thought Les Miles was going to change the offense after he was nearly fired at the end of the 2015 season, and he didn't, and then he was fired the next year. And of course, Ed, Ed Ogeron brought in Matt Canada as his offensive coordinator two two years ago, and Matt had this offense with a lot of shifting and forma- uh, different formations and that sort of thing, a lot of misdirection. And I don't think it turned out to be Ogeron's cup of tea as far as an offense goes, and uh, they they weren't a good fit together personally. So now you have this new offense. Stevens is still the offensive coordinator. They brought in Joe Brady from the Saints. We learned the RPO under Joe Moorhead when he was the offensive coordinator at Penn State, and Brady was a was a uh, grad assistant. And, of course, she was with the Saints and was bringing us in some of their passing game principles. So a lot of people say, like, a lot of people who I've talked to who have seen more practices, uh, more practice in terms of the scrimmages than we have say, you know, they're, they're not going, you know, no huddle, up-tempo, every single play. They're going to run the ball, but when they go, they go fast. And it is a, uh, it is a change from, from, from what they have done in the past. 
it really is a big difference, especially when you look at what we have going on with this team. Definitely a star returning quarterback in Joe Burrow returning to action after a pretty decent first season in the purple and gold. What can you say about him and how much he's evolved his game from the Fiesta Bowl when he absolutely dominated after getting clocked early on in the UCF matchup to now? Well, you know, I think talent-wise, no one's going to say Joe Burrow is one of the, the most talented quarterbacks in the country. But uh, you go back to that game and through the pick six, he got nailed you know, by a guy kind of blindsided on the return. And then he came back and led LSU to a touchdown uh, on, on the next position. Uh, I think I think Joe Burrow's attitude, demeanor, toughness has has permeated this team. You know, you, know, you remember uh, this time a year ago, he, he had not been here very long. He went through spring practice at Ohio State. He was trying to win the job there. Lost to J.T. Barrett, uh, Dwayne Haskins rather, and, and then uh, and then uh, decided to transfer to LSU. And he, he said, he, you know, at first he didn't really know everyone's name, but now he's been here more than a year. He's he's at the football facility all the time, studying film. He just has to take like one or two online courses because because he's a graduate student, and uh, he's football all the time. And and his his uh, his demeanor and, and personality, I think, has rubbed off on this team. This is Joe Burrow's team. Yeah, everyone talks about that coach and who's coaching this and they always around that and and all all these sort of things. But this uh, player uh, leadership, it, it, you know, leadership within the team. It does get overlooked because it's an intangible uh, a lot. It's, it's not something that's easy for us to see. So I think, and on top of that, he says this is the kind of offense, uh, RPO offense, the spread offense that he was running in high school and and in uh, at Ohio State. He said last year was the first time he was ever really under center his whole you know, football career. So uh, he's going to run the ball some. He's going to open him up to some some shots. Yeah, they, they, they you, know, you you may they maybe come a time where he does get injured and Miles Brennan's got to play some. But uh, I think LSU is able to make that work, you know, and willing to take those those risks with Joe leading the offense in in, in the kind of way that uh, is going to be should be different from what people have seen from LSU in the past. Talk right now with Scott Rabelais of the Advocate, and one of the big things that everybody has been talking about all throughout fall camp is that you've seen a lot of these players mispractice for one reason or another. A lot of these seemingly a lot of short term injuries. The only major injury. Cardell Thomas out for the year. And I actually had somebody call in last week talking about the fact that, you know, maybe it's time to let Tommy Moffitt go, and I definitely disagree with that statement. But how much of that had to do with it being more of a precautionary measure measure to have these guys be pulled out of training camp at least a little bit in burst, if you will? Yeah, I, I think it was some of that. I mean, I think, I think they did, as you said, they, they did not have, they've only to, to this point uh, had the one really significant injury of someone who's going to, going to, going to miss time this year. Injuries are going to happen. And, and it was alarming at times they were down to like, you know, practicing with like 11 offensive linemen, for example, and, and, and Joe Burrow missed the first scrimmage and, and Grant Delpit and Kilavon Chesson have, have missed a lot of, a lot of time. But as, as Les Miles might have said, <laughs> they, they, they've been coming to health of late and, and uh, <laughs> then they seem to be in pretty good shape. And, and, and look, everyone's got problems. I mean, uh, you know, late, Days leading up to the, this week, uh, Alabama lost Dylan Moses, the line, their star inside linebacker from from University High here in Baton Rouge. So he, he's gone for the year with a knee injury. So injuries do happen to everybody. But I think overall, um, it, it, you, you're concerned a little bit from a chemistry standpoint, especially on the offensive line. They had to do so much shifting on the offensive line last year. Like every every game, there was a different a different starting five, 
and and they've done a little bit of that this year. But uh, you you would hope for LSU's sake they don't have to do as much of that because these five guys in some of the formations they're talking about running with one one back set and one tight end. They're going to be sending a lot of people out uh, in past uh, formations uh, on routes, and they're going to only be blocking with five. So they need to have some continuity and chemistry there. We'll see if that's lacking a little bit in that first game against Georgia Southern. And speaking of that first game against Georgia Southern, of course, it's going to be a team that runs that triple option, and Coach O apparently has been looking at this since all the way back in February, which kind of blew my mind when he brought that up. I didn't expect that to be kind of planning this as far back as February. But, you know, it is what it is. We can definitely kind of talk about that at a different time. But, you know, we, we talk about that matchup. Do we see Miles Brennan at all in this one? Because it feels like last year should have been an opportunity to give him ample time in some of these, I don't know, say, quote-unquote garbage time game, these body bag games like a Georgia Southern, maybe some of these other in-state games they had last season. Well, in, in hindsight, the, uh, Ogeron has, has said that Miles was hurt for part of the year, and so that was, you know, a lot of times they just they couldn't play him. Um, and of course he's bulked up a little bit. He's probably put on about 30 pounds in the, in the off season and, uh, really is a strong arm. I mean, you see, you watch them in practice and you see, you know, Joe, Joe throws a good ball, but Miles' passes get there just a little quicker, uh, just with a little more zip than, than what Burrow has. And, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, Joe is going to be gone next year, no matter what. He, he's a, he's a senior. So it's going to, you're going to have to, Get Brendan some 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 playing time, some experience. You don't want him to go in next season, uh, you know, with, without a, a lack of experience. So I think they would like to play. Can they get ahead uh, far enough of Georgia Southern to, to feel comfortable putting it in here? I think they can uh, late in the game. I don't. I don't think LSU is going to beat Georgia Southern fifty-two to nothing or anything like that. I mean, this is a team with their they're going to be the antithesis of what else she's trying to do offensively with the triple option. They don't throw it very much. They averaged nine passes per game last year. They don't throw it much. They don't turn it over much. They're going to they're going to run it a lot, and that could lead to some long possessions, and may cut down the number of offensive snaps LSU would like to have. But uh, I, I think you know late in the game, LSU's talent will will certainly show itself, and it might allow them to build enough of a gap, uh, enough of a spread that they can put Brennan in. A couple more questions here with Scott Rabelais of the Advocate, and of course, I think we also need to bring up the fact that you have the season opener at home against the Georgia Southern Eagles. And now everybody's going to be able to have beer inside Tiger Stadium. It feels like this has been a debate that's going on forever. How wild is it the fact that now LSU is going to be selling beer at Tiger Stadium? Well, you know, it's it's been this great hypocrisy in the SEC, quite frankly. I mean, you you have you, you've been able to have beer and alcohol sales in in the premium seats, the clubs, the the suites, and LSU and other schools are trying to. Ex- Try to you know find loopholes in the rules by creating these new sections that created the Skyline Club. These hard to sell seats at the top end of the South uh, End Zone upper deck, and they created the the uh, you know another area on the ground level on the South End Zone where people could go into this kind of fenced off you know walled off bar area and watch games on the screen and that sort of thing. But now in the whole stadium, uh, except the student section, there's I believe there's going to be uh, beer and alcohol sales for most of the game. And there's an SEC role. There's an LSU thing. LSU wanted to do this. And other state schools, uh, yeah, Tulane and, and, and I believe Lafayette, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, they, they've done this, you know, for a while. And, uh, it was just an SEC rule that, you know, now they finally said, okay, you can choose. You, yeah, at the SEC spring meeting, they finally voted to say schools can choose if they want to do this or not. And not surprising, LSU was one of the schools that did it. It's probably going to bring in about an extra million dollars a year. It's not going to be an enormous windfall. 
but it, it's going to be different. Uh, and, and I think it's something that yeah, the time has certainly come to allow people to choose. And, and I, I really, I know it sounds, might sound backwards, but I really think you'll keep people from doing a lot of binge drinking going into the game, knowing they can get something, uh, uh some, some kind of adult beverage they want to bring to their seat. And, uh, and hopefully for LSU's sake, you know, they're trying to keep people in the stands longer instead of heading <laughs> back to their tailgates at halftime to, uh, to have another drink. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. It's an interesting experiment. It's absolutely interesting experiment. I know the Cajuns have been doing it for the last several years. In fact, they've dropped the prices on them significantly heading into the 2019 season. And, you know, one more for you. Of course, new AD Scott Woodward in the house, and he actually had some interesting statements earlier this week. I want to get your thoughts on what he was saying about Nick Saban regretting leaving LSU. I want to get your thoughts on that real quick. Yeah, that was at the Veterans Rotary Club on on Wednesday. He said, uh, you know, he was talking about the greats of college coaching, you know, Skip Bertman, Mike Krzyzewski, Nick Saban. There's no doubting, you know, even if you don't like Nick Saban beating LSU every year, if you're an LSU fan, you can't you can't deny that the guy's been a great coach. I think he's the best college football coach ever. And he said, but I think he has, has regrets. And he said, the guy here, talking about Bertman, is the, is the higher IQ. Like, he was smart to stay, you know, that kind of thing. It was, it was a shot. But, you know, I, I think Woodward is um, he's playing with a lot of political capital right now. He's a very popular guy, certainly as far as athletic directors go, certainly compared to Joe Oliva, his predecessor. He's a Baton Rouge native, went to Catholic high school, went to LSU, worked at LSU under Mark Emmert, uh, who, of course, was the LSU chancellor when they brought Nick Saban to LSU 20 years ago. And, uh, and he's obviously made a lot of good hires at other places, bringing uh, Chip Peterson uh, to uh, Washington from Boise State and Jimbo Fisher from Florida State to, to Texas A&M. Um, so he's like kind of, kind of making some, he was, he was kind of making some jabs and kind of speaking confidently, but you know, I, I think I, I don't think it was totally without some reason behind it. I don't think it was just, just wild statements he was making. I think he was, I think he's trying to portray a, a, a an, an air of confidence that can maybe trickle down to the rest of the athletic department because he's also saying, you know, we need to win more. You know, the athletic department is not broken by any means. He didn't say he doesn't. He has never implied that he's inherited a bad situation from Joe Oliva. But he's basically said it could be better, and LSU could win more championships and and, and could be in contention for for more titles. And I, I think he'd he'd like to see that. And and uh, and, and has again the, the political capital and carte blanche to change some things, like stopping the the annual payment that the athletic department makes to the universe, academic side of the university. He said it's going to be $11 million this year. This is the last one of that. They're going to do some one-off, uh, maybe you know, help with, with some some uh, projects and that sort of thing, but nothing on an annual basis because they have to pay for themselves. they got to pay for the scholarships. they got to help pay for the band, he, uh, he told me. So uh, some, a lot of changes and just a different attitude. This is a guy who people want to see as an athletic director. They want to hear and who they have – who. who uh, is kind of saying some of the things that they want to say, including somebody who knows that Nick Saban. That's that's fine, but you know he he knows that maybe I think he knows that if he can he can inspire some more confidence in the whole athletic department, maybe he can lead to it. Who knows? LSU beating Alabama again in football wouldn't that be crazy? It would definitely be crazy, Scott. Thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, that was Scott Rabelais of the Advocate. You can follow him on Twitter at Rabelais ADV. Going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with a whole lot more with Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. He's coming aboard the program in just a little bit, so keep it locked right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game.
Welcome back to Under the Dome with a CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Nearing the home stretch and getting you ready for all the great college football action that is coming up, of course. There's a couple games going on as we speak, of course. The one that's causing all this is the Louisiana Rage of Cajuns Mississippi State matchup. But trust me, there's a lot more we're talking about. Nebraska South Al, definitely one notable thing. They also have. I'd say one really cool one coming up later on today. Of course, we'll talk about it all right now with the guest we have aboard the Artco Equipment Hotline. That's our guy Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. I promise I'd have him on every week. Trust me, we're doing that all throughout college football season. Give you a little bit of national perspective ahead of everything going on in the world of college sports. What is going on, my good brother? Hey, Glenn. It's great to talk to you. Isn't it great to have college football back? I mean, we had some great games with Miami and Florida and Arizona, Hawaii. Uh, so I'm glad that we can officially say the offseason is over and week one is here. Same here, but I want to start off, you you brought it up perfectly, the week zero game between Florida and Miami kind of got all things started off, and everybody has been talking about how really overall poor it was. Was that one of the most sloppiest like football games you've ever seen? It was, and I think we can point to one factor in particular. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it was August 24th, and both of these teams were, you know, breaking in new starters on the offensive line, four for Florida, three for Miami. So that, that was kind of the, where it all started offensively, when you have so many new faces trying to gel along the offensive line, not to mention a, a new quarterback for Miami, too, with a new coaching staff. So there was a lot of new, a lot of transition. But I think in just a bigger picture sense, it was a little sloppy when you talk about the penalties, the pre-snap penalties Miami had, and then the pass interference penalties uh, that Florida had late. So, yes, very sloppy, largely due to being just a first game on August 24th, but also due to some of the new uh, involved for both teams. Talk right now with our guy Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. Obviously, a lot of games going on right about now. But I want to get your perspective on some of the games we got going on later today. And we're going to start things off, I think, with one of the big ones. It is the Auburn-Oregon matchup. Definitely a lot of intrigue going on in Dallas, Texas, right in front of Jerry World. What do you think about this matchup? And can can Oregon pull off a sizable upset, in my point of view, because, of course, this is that Pac-12 SEC perspective. Can the Pac-12 shock the system and beat Auburn? You know, you said it best there. The Pac-12 needs a marquee non-conference victory. Uh, the last two years have not gone well for the Pac-12. So getting off to a good start and getting a huge non-conference win would be just you know significant for the Pac-12. And, and Oregon's kind of carrying the non-conference banner uh, for the for the Pac-12 this weekend, a lot of intrigue too for Oregon uh, for Auburn. You've got Gus Malzahn sitting on the hot seat, uh, a true freshman quarterback, and in, in Bo Nix starting for Auburn. Not to mention Gus Malzahn taking over the play calling duties. There's a lot of storylines surrounding both teams, but I think when you look at the matchup on the field, a lot of intrigue because you've got a, a, an Oregon offense led by Justin Herbert one of the, the top prospects in the NFL draft for next year. Great offensive line for Oregon, going up against a very good Auburn defensive line. So 
a lot of storylines and intrigue here, but I like Auburn to get the victory. I think one problem that Oregon has right now, the receiving core, they lost their top receiver to the NFL. They've had some injuries at the position. Can they, do they have somebody who can step up and stretch the field against this Auburn defense? I'm not so sure they do. So I'm going to take Auburn to beat Oregon in what I think will be a pretty close game. But I think Nick and, and Gus Malzahn get it done. And I definitely think it's going to be intriguing to see what goes on over there. But, of course, I think another matchup, not necessarily as notable, of course, it feels like this one's going to be largely one-sided. I mean, even a SEAL picked Duke to lose this one in the season opener against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Can they at least cover the spread here? I think it's going to be really tough. You don't want to play Alabama generally in season openers. I mean, you really don't want to play Alabama any any week considering <laughs> the talent that they have. But you, I don't know if you want to play Alabama after the way they lost in the national championship game. There probably is a little bit of frustration going to come out for the Crimson Tide. should say, too, Duke is, is likely going to start uh, two freshmen at the tackle position in this game on the offensive line and already having to replace Daniel Jones at quarterback. So Duke's offense is going to have its hands full. I think Tua and those receivers, Duke's defense is pretty good. I think they're still going to have a tough time. So I think Alabama wins and wins this one pretty easily. Talking some college football right now with a guy, Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, right here on 1037 The Game. And we got to kind of flip things over, opening up the regular season with an SEC Week 1 matchup. Two SEC opponents in Georgia and Vanderbilt. Is it the weirdest thing to see two SEC teams face off against each other in Week Number 1? It definitely is different. Uh, I think it's it's definitely an intriguing game, too, from for both teams because – um, you know, Georgia can get off to a fast start, already be 1-0 in SEC play, not to mention the, the new coordinators for Georgia. This will be a good test right out of the gate. And, and not to mention um, Jake Fromm with a brand-new receiving core. I'm curious to see what, what matchup-wise Vanderbilt can do to try and slow down this Georgia offense. It, 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 Vanderbilt is going to have its hands full. And, and not to mention on the defensive side, but offensively, uh, you know, Vanderbilt has a new quarterback coming in with Kyle Shermer moving on to the NFL, Riley Neal or Deuce Wallace. Both quarterbacks could play. Vanderbilt does have three of the SEC's better skill players, Keyshawn Vaughn uh, and Lipscomb and Pinckney in the receiving core. So, you know, it comes down if, if Vanderbilt's quarterback situation is stable and they can get some consistent play, they can hang around in this game. I just think Georgia has too much firepower. And this Georgia defense, even though uh, they lost DeAndre Baker, this is going to be a pretty salty bunch this year. So I think Georgia and Kirby Smart uh, get off to a fast start on Saturday night. Definitely going to be interesting to see what happens in that one. But, of course, I want to kind of jump around with it right now and talk about the Arkansas Razorbacks who recently announced their starting quarterback, Ben Hicks. That was a surprise, to say the least, because you wound up having a solid guy as your potential starter, and then you kind of just – pull a swerve on us, you would have wound up probably going with Nick Sarkle, but then Ben Hicks coming out of nowhere to be the quarterback for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Interesting decision, and I think for Arkansas, this came down to experience because Ben Hicks played at SMU under Chad Morris. He was also there in the spring. 
And I think just having that experience and knowledge of what Chad Morris wants to do offensively and within that scheme, um, I, I think that was the difference. But I, I think if you if these two quarterbacks already represent an upgrade for Chad Morris uh, going into this season compared to what Arkansas had last year. Arkansas has some nice for potential freshman receivers that are going to play a lot this year. So you can start to see that the foundation for, for improvement is there. I, I will be curious to see if this move lasts all year because I think Nick Sarkle is the more talented quarterback, and I think it may just be a case of when he gets comfortable, he's going to be ready to take over. But for now, because Hicks has the experience within the system, I think that gives him an edge to start in week one. Talk right now with Terry Bradshaw. I mean, T- Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. Excuse me, I was actually going to bring up Terry Bradshaw. My next topic. I don't know how kind of mix y'all two up, but <laughs> Terry Bradshaw took some shots during the off season at Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger, talking about how he ain't that good. And of course, Terry Bradshaw, former La Tech Bulldog. So I got to bring it up right now. La Tech Texas playing on week one. Is this one going to have a lot of bad blood between the two? Well, you know, I, I'm curious about this game because Louisiana Tech, I mean, you know, this is an experienced team going into Austin. And Texas has LSU in week two. Texas has been hit by a lot of injuries at the running back position. I mean, they're down to two guys, uh, you know, they're two starters, but they've converted a quarterback to fill in at the third spot. So injuries are already taken its toll. And this was a Texas team that, wants to try to reduce Sam Ellinger's workload on the ground this year. So they're already starting in, in a little bit of a rough spot. I also think, too, Texas is 0-2 in openers under Tom Herman. So you know, kind of the theory that Texas holds back a little bit and unleashes Sam Ellinger in the biggest games, I'm curious to see what Texas does here. Do they come out? Do they unleash Sam Ellinger? Do they save him for next week? Because if they save him for next week, it's probably it would not be hard for Louisiana Tech to keep this game a lot closer than than most people think. But I think Texas a lot of new faces, uh, but still think they get the victory here. But we'll be curious to see how this game plays out. Let me just kind of get your question. Get you get your question on the overall Saturday of college football from this point onward, Steve. And what's one game you think is going to wind up having the huge upset from the one o'clock games onward? You know, one game I am really watching is that Boise State and Florida State game. But Florida State is favored, and Boise State is, you know, of course, one of the top group of five teams in the nation. And for Florida State, this is all about getting off to a good start. After, um, you know, the first year under Willie Taggart, they finished 5-7. and seven. Boise State's got a great defense. Their defensive line is going to give Florida State a lot of trouble. Florida State's offensive line was such a huge issue uh, last season, too. So, you know, I think this is a game that Boise State could easily win and already kind of notch a big victory uh, in terms of getting into the being the top group of five team uh, at the end of the year for the college football playoffs. So big momentum uh, for Florida State, but also key for Boise for positioning uh, potentially down the road for the uh, top group of five spot. Talk right now with Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, and let's kind of flip it on over to what's really what everybody's looking forward to with the LSU Georgia Southern game to start off LSU's season. Third year under Ed Ogeron, Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator, and a lot of the talk has been it being a strictly spread offense. 
Do you believe in that hype? I do. I'm buying the LSU hype on offense this season. And this is coming from a person who has been a little bit reluctant to buy into the LSU offensive uh, narrative in previous off seasons. But I think based upon what we saw in the spring and what we've heard from Ed Orgeron throughout the off season, this is a, this is serious. LSU is going to make this type of switch. Of course, LSU is still going to run the ball. They still want to be physical. Uh, but I think you are going to see some new elements. But I think much like Texas, it would not surprise me at all if LSU uh, does not, uh, you know, show all of its cards on Saturday, it would not surprise me if they hold some stuff back uh, because Texas is coming up in week two. So I'll be curious to see how much they unveil. Uh, at the same time, optimistic for LSU's offense to improve, but we may not see it until uh, week two or three down the line just to see what they're exactly they're working with. And, of course, I think that's what you kind of expect when you're playing against a Sunbelt Conference team. Mind you, it is a team that's definitely got a lot of good things going for it last year. I believe plus 22 in the turnover ratio, best in the country. But I want to kind of flip it over because I'm getting some response in the party line. I'm getting a question about the Pittsburgh Panthers from our, from our guy Al. So why don't you kind of give us an idea of what you think about the, about the Panthers heading into the season? You know, the coastal division in the ACC – is always wide open. I mean, the fact that six different teams have won the Coastal Division in six years says a lot about how kind of chaotic and unpredictable this division is. And won the division last season, but a lot of question marks going into this year. They have a tough non-conference schedule. Um, They are replacing four starters along the offensive line and two 1,000-yard running backs, not to mention – their best defensive player was lost due to injury uh, this offseason. So some question marks for Pitt, but in a wide-open division, they could easily win the Coastal again. Uh, and they start off with Virginia uh, in Week 1, which will be a key game potentially for positioning. So I, I think Pitt, I, I've got them fourth in the Coastal, but I think they get bowl eligible uh, in what should be you know, a pretty deep Coastal with Miami, Virginia, and Virginia Tech this season. I'll be in kind of right there in the top 20 to 30. I'd have to agree with you, Steve, and I've got a couple more here. Of course, I think we need to bring up a little prediction time. Give me your prediction for the Heisman Trophy winner. I'm going to take Tua to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, you know, it, it's either Tua or Trevor Lawrence. I mean, there's, it seems like it's going to be one of those two. But my deciding factor was if, if I think Alabama is going to finish undefeated this year, and play LSU, Texas A&M, and potentially Georgia, and Tua has good numbers against them, and Alabama's number one, it's going to be hard, I think, to pick Trevor Lawrence, even though he's going to have great numbers and and Clemson's going to be undefeated. Just think that might be a tiebreaker when you're talking about two quarterbacks that are very close. Does Jalen Hurts want to kind of crash in the party a little bit? Because, of course, the Oklahoma quarterback, it feels like Oklahoma has had a stranglehold on the Heisman Trophy for quite some time. Yeah, no pressure, Jalen Hurts. All you have to do is win the Big 12, win the Heisman, and be picked number one. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's easy, right? Um, Seems but, you like know, it. In all, yeah, in all seriousness, I, I think Jalen Hurts can get to New York. I mean, Oklahoma's loaded at the skill position. Um, we've seen what Lincoln Riley can do with quarterbacks, how much improvement Jalen Hurts made as a passer last season. So 
I think he's already one of the top 10 quarterbacks in college football. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he gets to the top uh, five and gets to New York at the end of the year. I think he's going to have a huge season uh, for Oklahoma. Steve, one more for you, and of course we got to do it. It's week one. Give me your projected college football playoff right here, right now. I've got a boring top three for you. I've got Alabama at number one. I've got Clemson at number two. I've got Georgia at three. My surprise is going to be Michigan over Ohio State for that. Wow. I think Jim Harbaugh gets it done this year. I think my, my concern with picking Oklahoma is that I think Oklahoma may stumble twice in Big 12 play, setting up Michigan versus Ohio State for that last spot. And I think that the fact that Urban Meyer is no longer there, the game is at Michigan, I think that's why Michigan gets it done. So I'm going all in on the Wolverines for that last spot. A bold prediction alongside some very very standard ones. I like it a lot, especially Michigan. Definitely you surprised me, to say the least. Steve, thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you all throughout college football season. It's so glad that we finally have time to talk all things CFB. Hey, Clint, anytime. It's always good to talk to you. Enjoy the games and look forward to talking to you real soon. All right, that was Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. We're going to take a quick commercial break and get up on out of here to go enjoy that college football. We'll be back with more after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. It is the final take here on Under the Dome. We're wrapping things up in a nice little bow. I'm about to go watch a ton of college football, and that's what one last take is going to be all about it's not a hot one, it's not a cold one, but it's the take that you need to have heading into your Saturday afternoon as you get ready for the start of college football season in earnest. Welcome back, college football. It's been far too long. Give us everything you've got over the course of the next few months because, honestly, I'll say this. This is one of the first years where I had to do a show solo throughout the summer. We got through the dog days of summer. We got through... A lot of the conversations about hot dog eating contests, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. We got through a lot of the conversations that we had, the preseason discussions. We got through a lot of stuff that I just, I'm still trying to have a hard time getting over, obviously, the passing of head coach Tony Robichaud. show. We got through a rough summer here in the state of Louisiana, probably around the country. Not exactly the best time to be alive, but honestly, it was still a great summer. Got to be at SEC Media Days, an absolute honor to be at that event. But, of course, this is about college football and how much we love it here, not only in Louisiana, but I think across the country. Because who was really paying attention to what was going on with the MLB? When I bring it around the base, it feels like Thanos winds up snapping everybody out of existence. It's a tough break, but it is what it is. I think that's always going to be what we talk about. It is the world of professional football and college football. This is a college football town. The Cajuns, they're underway right now. you got LSU coming up in just a few hours. Cannot wait to see what happens between 
LSU, and Georgia Southern. We talk about our expectations. It was a lot of preseason talk. We dove into all this week on our different shows. Of course, Bubber to Bubber Sports did a deep dive into all that. And again, I brought it up perfectly. I think that the Cajuns wind up going nine and three. LSU goes ten and two. And then you got the who that who that say they gonna beat them Saints? Well, it's gonna be four teams to beat them. They'll be twelve and four to end the year. Possibly get a bye week. I'd say more likely than not, but you know, stranger things have happened. That's about all the time we got for this show. Be back with you next week as we get ready for LSU Texas. I'm just honestly. I'm over the moon. Cannot wait for 2019 college football season to really kick into high gear. Of course, Cajun's Mississippi State going on right now. I'm definitely going to run over to the nearest TV, the nearest bar, and find out what's on tap over there and go enjoy that. So have a great rest of your Saturday, everybody. Be back with you next week. Oh yeah, kick it!